Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. And with me is my co-host, Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grass-Fed Salsa. Here, we share everything about overcoming health challenges, from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more, with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information only and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now, let's get on with the show, holidays style. How are you doing this week? Wonderful. I'm totally in the Christmas mood already, even as we're recording this. Um, Yeah. we, oh gosh, this just made me think of another thing I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to jump right into that. Um, my, so we, we, um, and Michelle and I interviewed Simi Bodish, which is, um, an intuitive eating expert. And I'm not sure what episode that was, but we interviewed her and she was recently talking about finding a photo of her father who recently passed away and how, he was drinking a cup of coffee in the kitchen in his underwear. And she was just talking about how thankful she was that she had this photo of her dad, like in the moment, a candid photo. And it wasn't just a picture of him holding, it wasn't just a picture of his coffee, you know, like Mm -hmm. what we do now with social media is we take a photo of the coffee that we drank, but we don't take a photo of the people that we are with while we are drinking the coffee or like the behind the scenes thing. And so when I look through my, it like kind of got me thinking like, yeah, that's totally how I do things now. Since I really started transitioning my Instagram page from a personal Instagram to a business Instagram, that's all I take photos of anymore. And so just the other day, James and I were um, decorating our tree, putting ornaments on our tree. And I thought about that and I was like, James, take a photo of me, like putting ornaments on the street. Cause I'm pregnant. Like, I wasn't wearing a bra. I was like in terrible clothes. And I was like, I just for us, like, I want to remember this time. And for where, her. Yeah. This well, is like girl. our last yeah, Christmas. And I'm like really pregnant and just the last Christmas of the two of us. And I I just wanted to remember it. So we took a lot of photos and then I started a photo album, a shared photo album on our phone, on my phone, and then shared it with him. And we're just going to put all of our like candid photos and we're really going to try to make an effort to take more photos together that are just special moments between us. Awesome. So that's what you're loving this week. Yeah. Awesome. We don't have tons of updates, but it's funny. I, I totally relate to that. All of the, but I'm trying to be more personal on Instagram, but they're all like very styled photos. Like not a lot of them are candid. So I know I need to get better about that. Pretty candid in Instagram story, just wearing the same sweater for four days in a row all the time. Well, even if you don't like post it, you know, if it's uh-huh. just like for you to remember that moment, like, yeah. When James and I first started dating, we took photos of every like music concert we went to or just like going into a photo booth and we'd have these photo booth photos and all these things that trigger memories. And then we've slowly gotten away from that. And even back then, it wasn't, we didn't take the photo so we could post it to Facebook. It was just this photo that we took to like capture the moment and... Anyway, so I went when I went back through my phone, I found all of those photos and put them into an album. And it was just it was like, so emotional to find all of these old photos and have all these memories come back. And so I'm really excited to start this new habit of being a lot more intentional about the behind the scenes things, even if it's just for myself personally. And that's great holiday advice too, you guys as you're going into the holidays. Yeah, take pictures of family and friends, not just. Yeah. Yeah, take pictures of your dad in in his underwear, even if it embarrasses you. And lots of pictures of your cat. Anne is watching me on a video chat right now, and she's basically just seeing like the side of my cat's body walking all over. That's where all my, well, all my pictures are of. But I guess as (laughs) far as updates, 
working hard on stuff that I can finally start talking about soon. I'm really excited. I'm finally on the up of some things that I've been working on and I was in the trenches for the better part of this year. And just now as we are recording this, and you guys know we're recording further out because of and having a baby, we can't, you know, be recording through that. We want to give her a little bit of a break here. And um, so as we're recording this, I am finally starting to get out of the woods and it's really exciting. So hopefully by the time this comes out, I will still be, there will not be any like huge disasters or anything. But Yeah. So if, if all goes well and goes as planned, when are you going to be start starting to talk about like when can we this thing? A couple of weeks. So like just at a this couple point, weeks. This yeah, is so at exciting. this point you can like count down the days of like, and that's in real time. Yeah, like as people are listening to it. Yeah, yeah. You guys can start counting down the days before you can finally be. And it's funny because I've been sharing that I've been doing like videos and taking pictures. So this is not like just a big blog post I'm working on. Like this is a big thing. And these videos I'm taking of myself, it's very hard to make myself look professional and not just super awkward. What were you legit doing with your hands? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have this, I have this video of myself just talking and, um, I like, I have to pause a lot when I'm talking about something because it's, you know, if I just go, I just say whatever. So I have to pause between things. And like, while I pause, I'm like standing there staring at the camera and I just pull up like my Mr. Krabs hands. And I just literally make just like crab hands. And I just like stare at the camera for like three seconds with crab hands. And then I put them down and I'm like, and my next book, it was like, what was that? So there's a lot of that. I'm working through a lot of that, but it's all worth it. I'm having a lot of just really good conversations with people in my Facebook group and people that read my blog and just all that stuff. And just, I'm so grateful for the community that, you know, is here. And I'm so grateful to be able to give back more soon. So I'm excited, but yeah. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Do you have any updates? Um, not so much. Now, um, at this point, I could be having a baby in a week. I could be having a baby two weeks, three weeks, depending on when she decides to come. I'm so excited. If she decides to flip. So I think uh, several episodes back now, I talked about how I thought she had flipped and turns out she didn't, but she is moving a lot more. So right now I'll have either had a version and had it be successful or we will be having a scheduled C-section and still praying that she flips in the meantime. So that's where we're at right now. I am so like, I'm a very empathetic person. And like, we've talked about, we talked about that in our business episode. I kid you not. I've been Googling like last night I was Googling for like half an hour, how to flip a breech baby. And I was like, it's not like I'm going to give her anything that she doesn't already know. But like, I, I feel like I just like take on people's, you know, stuff. And I was literally just sitting there. I caught myself. I'm like, I'm not going to give her anything she doesn't already know. You might. I don't really yeah, do yeah, that much to flip her. I, I've tried in case anybody, because I, I, when I talk about it, people always suggest things, which I'm so thankful for. So thank you for your suggestions. Um, I've tried the spinning babies inversions. So the one where you're like on all fours on your knees are on the sofa and your hands are on the ground. And then I tried the ironing board inversion. My parents brought an inversion table. So I'm at like 180 degrees on this inversion table, which was actually really, really cool. My husband, I have him watch me because I'm like really scared that um, my like feet are going to fall out of the thing and I'm going to fall on my head. So I make him like babysit me while I do it. And he took a photo of me. He's like, your belly looks so cool. And in this photo, you can like literally see the baby's shape like you can see her head and her butt and her legs crazy I won't I won't show it because it kind of makes me kind of well I just I won't show it share it with anybody but it's uh it's one of those personal photos that I will keep forever because I think it's so cool but I will probably never show anybody outside of my like closest friends 
Um, but we're doing chiropractic. I've been doing chiropractic since 28 weeks. I think it's amazing for other things. So far, it hasn't helped with the breach, but you know, I've been very confident that she's going to stay breach this whole time. So it could just be that she's a stubborn baby. Um, and then I just tried acupuncture as well. I didn't really feel anything from acupuncture, so I'm not sure if I'm going to continue it, but I think with most of these types of therapies, you do need to give it some time and definitely with chiropractic care has gotten so much better since I've started. So awesome. that's what I'm doing. Okay. Let's, um, let's go right into the topic. This week, we're talking about blood sugar regulation, how blood sugar regulation works, why it matters, and what you need to be doing for better blood sugar. This was something for me that I thought I always wanted to tune out when people said blood sugar because I was like, well, I don't have diabetes, so why should I care about blood sugar? And I feel like so many people are under that same impression that they don't, it's just something that doesn't apply to them, but it applies to every single one of us. We all have, you know, blood sugar to be balancing. We all have something going on with our blood sugar at any given time. And especially if we have chronic illness, something that I find, so in the NTA, one of the foundations, like of the program that I went through, one of the foundations is blood sugar, like right after digestion is blood sugar. And what, you know, we always start with digestion with people, but what I find myself like working on like longer with people and like something that is just consistently like with people that have chronic illness, just kind of across the board is blood sugar regulation issues. So, and we can work so hard on you know, our diet and saying like, okay, I'm eating an AIP diet now, but is it balanced? And is it, you know, are you paying attention to what your blood sugar is doing within those foods that you are eating? So do you want to talk about, you made amazing notes. <laughs> I have made so many notes on this because I did not want to have another, I'm still so embarrassed about calling Candida a bacteria um, oh my gosh no you're fine i was like baby brain i have to like i have to make all the notes so i don't forget something important um but yeah i can get started so yeah. when we talk about blood sugar i actually prefer to talk about it as blood glucose because it is what we're referring to here it's the amount of glucose that is in your body at any given time and when we look at glucose, we're trying to figure out like, well, what is it necessary for? I feel like when people think about blood sugar, and we'll get to this, but when people think about blood sugar, they just think the lower, the better, but that's not necessarily yeah. true. So you need glucose. You need glucose for energy. And that's what glucose is. It's a source of energy. So your brain cells need it. There's a healthy insulin production that's going to support your muscle growth and repair and organ function. So all of your organs need glucose to function as well. So it is a very important thing to make sure that you are getting enough and not too much. And again, we're assuming here that nobody is following a ketogenic diet because that's the alternative source of energy that someone could be using. Right now, we're just talking about the standard person who is eating you know, moderate carb diet and how their body is functioning on that. So I think that's a greater subset of the population. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And our listeners, I think. Some people have had questions about ketogenic diets, which will probably, I'd love to bring somebody on to talk about that because there are definitely people out there who have chronic illness and thrive on a ketogenic diet. It's not us, but that's fine. Everybody's different. So yeah. And I've never it. tried it. I mean, you never know. I think for cognitive function, a ketogenic diet is like crucial. Mm -hmm. um, I have a two part interview series on my blog about a ketogenic diet for epilepsy and just a success story of a, a young girl. And she's now 
think like been on a ketogenic diet for maybe like four years at this point and has not had any seizures for the past like two or three years. And that's completely medication free. So yeah. ketogenic diet can be a very therapeutic healing diet, but I am not educated enough to really speak on it for other issues. I agree. I'm scared to ever do it. It's just, I don't know. I feel like intuitively I would know if I wanted to do it and I'm just not there. Well, and that's the thing, like intuitively, when we go back, when we go back to that, I used to drink butter coffee every morning. I did intermittent fasting. And for me, that worked so, so well. And I didn't do it every single day. It wasn't, I wasn't religious about it. I was not in a ketogenic state. I think maybe at times I probably dipped in it into a ketogenic state, but there was absolutely no testing or long-term ketosis by any means. And it was very, very therapeutic for me. But then there, there came a point where I just stopped wanting that. And I don't know if it was that my body was so deprived of fats that that's why I was feeling like I needed that. And then they would just keep me satiated. And so that's why I was intermittent fasting. Like, I'm not exactly sure, but I listened to my body and now I just occasionally have a butter coffee because I think coffee tastes better that way. Um, but it's not necessarily to incorporate intermittent fasting techniques or anything like that. Listening to your body is definitely ideal. It takes a while to get into that state, but I'm actually working on a journal, like a resource um, for people to kind of help with habit formation and into following their intuition and stuff like that. So you might be able to, ideally it would be done before the baby comes. Um, so within the next couple of weeks, but we'll see kind of how that all plays out. Cool. So do you want to talk about how blood sugar works? And I really want to talk about the main organs of blood sugar sure. regulation. You want to go into that? About- I guess I'll go into that first. So Anne's going to talk about, because she has great notes on this, (laughs) about how blood sugar, like how this actually works. But I wanted to bring it back down to, I think it's so important and empowering as humans to know what is actually going on in our body and where is what and what organs we need to be caring for. So the main organs of blood sugar regulation are actually your liver and your pancreas. So the adrenals also kind of play a role in our modern culture when we're just having like this constant blood sugar spike and dip. The adrenal process comes in just because cortisol goes crazy when we're having like these serious blood sugar swings. We need to be to be caring for our blood sugar and to be healing from poor blood sugar regulation long term because this is a lot of my story that when i went into the nta and there's functional testing that we do in the nta that you can kind of figure out what your biggest burdens are and blood sugar regulation was a huge burden for me and like i said i didn't want to think about it and it's something that i'm still working on healing from and working on controlling because it's just kind of a tendency for me is um, you know when we live most of our life on a standard American diet or even just a really carb heavy or imbalanced diet, we do. It's not just the you know the immediate damage of oh I feel kind of off today or I'm gaining weight now, but it's long term damage that we could be doing to these organs. So your liver stores and manufactures glucose. It is very, very, very important in your blood sugar regulation. It can do, just having poorly regulated blood sugar can do a lot of damage to the liver and really overwork it. And we need our liver for, it's over 500 different functions in the body. It is just as important as the gut. Your liver actually, what I've heard is that if you could cut your liver out of your body and it will grow back. Like it is so important, which I kind of want to, like, I'd like to grow a fresh one. Like mine's probably not so happy with all of the Cheetos I've eaten in my life. But, um, so high blood sugar is enough to cause like elevated liver enzymes and enough to cause some sort of liver damage. I've, I've worked with a lot of people and I've heard a lot of women who, you know, say that they have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or some sort of liver burden or their detoxification pathways are really bad. And they're like, well, why is this happening? Like this shouldn't be happening to me. 
like I never really drank alcohol, like what's going on. And it could be just that your blood sugar has been so dysregulated your whole life. Um, do you, I don't know if we have this in the notes, but do you want me to kind of talk about what it looks like when, like, how do you know you have blood sugar? Yeah, we do talk about that later. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm like jumping the gun. You talk about your lovely notes and then we'll (laughs) talk about that later. So I want to just talk about kind of the process of how the blood sugar is impacted. What does that look like? So the first thing is that you're going to, and this can happen for your blood sugar can be impacted by a variety of things. We're going to go into that again later, but Primarily, what we're looking at is the carbohydrates that we are eating, and that will definitely include sugar, but it also includes any other carbohydrates that you're eating, whether that's starchy carbohydrates, non-starchy carbohydrates, they're all going to have an influence on your blood sugar. So you're going to digest those carbs, and as you digest them, they're going to be converted into glucose. And glucose is then absorbed by your intestinal tract. And from there, it can enter into your, or it will enter into your bloodstream. At this point, this is what increases the amount of glucose in your blood. And the average person is going to have about three quarters of a teaspoon of glucose in their blood at any given time. And that can vary definitely throughout the day. It can vary depending on the person, but the average person, it's about three quarters of a teaspoon. So more or less than that, and your brain is going to signal to the pancreas to produce insulin. And the reason for that is that insulin's role in the body is to remove glucose from the bloodstream. So it does this by latching onto the glucose in the blood and then bringing it to various insulin receptor sites all over your body. And there it delivers glucose as a form of storable energy that the cells can use, and that's called glycogen. So that's when we talk about these as being like, this is your energy source. That's where it comes from. It's the glycogen once it's converted into glycogen. So assuming you and the organs within your body are utilizing that energy, everything is good. So you're using a lot of brain power, you're moving, your organs are functioning well, you're not eating too much, too many carbohydrates or some of the other things that can impact your blood glucose, um, then everything is good. So the trouble comes with daily excess glucose. And again, that's another important distinction because if it's like a continuous blood glucose that you're getting in excess, that's where the trouble comes in. If it's just on occasion, so Christmas dinner, you have, you know, a ton of mashed potatoes and follow it up with apple pie, like no big deal. It's just a one, one day thing. You don't really have to worry about it. You may like feel very fatigued and lethargic after, but that's just like par for the course. It's not going to impact your overall health as it would if this was a daily occurrence. So that's where we need to really like worry about the, the balance of, you know, high and low. And, and again, we'll, we'll kind of talk more about that here in a little bit. It seems that primally, like if you think back historically, this response for storing excess glucose would be a good thing because humans, you know, back when there was like feast and famine, they would gorge themselves at time of feasting and that would cause an insulin response, which would allow their bodies to store that extra glucose as glycogen in their fat cells. And then during their periods of famine, their body would be able to utilize that stored glucose for energy. So it's, it's this genius process that happens, but now we don't use it in that same way. And I think that's why now it can be such an issue because we don't have those periods of feast and famine anymore. So the ideal thing that we want to focus on here is homeostasis when it comes to blood sugar regulation. So we're not, we don't have too much blood glucose and we don't have too little because it is necessary for survival, but too much can be a bad thing. So now that you kind of have an understanding of how it works and what that cycle looks like, we wanted to talk about what happens when it gets too high. So some symptoms that you can be looking for, um, just like some triggers or indicators that maybe you're having constant or consistent high elevated blood glucose. 
Do you want to go through any of these? Yeah. So the first one that I see with people is feeling just kind of hungry throughout the day, like feeling the need to snack a lot or just feeling like ravenously hungry around like 11 a.m. So if you're eating a breakfast or you ate a dinner that was not, you know, very balancing to your blood sugar, just getting like really ravenously hungry at like 11 and then at three and then getting sleepy after you eat, that's a big sign. So if you're not, if you don't feel satiated throughout the day and you're just kind of like on this roller coaster, that's the your blood sugar going crazy and then fatigue relieved by eating. So that is a big sign of like a dip and you know, you're perking yourself back up with some sugar or coffee and people hate it when I say that, I'm sorry, but you know, having coffee at 3 PM in the afternoon, like just needing to like, Oh, I just need coffee at 3 PM. Like that's just the way my body is. It's a sign that something else is out of balance. Um, and that's could definitely be your blood sugar. So, and think about like, if you are tired and you're telling yourself like, Oh, I want to eat something like really think about what your body is asking for more likely than not. It's something sugary or starchy that you're thinking about that bag of Enjoy Life chocolate chips at home, or even like an apple, your body's telling you like, oh, I need some sugar to perk myself back up. That is a sign for sure. And then mood swings. Again, we're just talking about the roller coaster, the swinging, the, uh, the you know, coming back down and perking back up. Mood swings is a big one. Um, hormone imbalance, because we're taxing the liver um, and all of the reasons it will just really throw off your hormones for sure. Um, impaired digestion. If you're not, um, like if you're taxing your liver, if you're taxing your body with these blood sugar spikes and dips, it's not putting all of the energy necessary towards digestion. It is throwing off those hormones of digestion and it's, like I said, taxing the liver. And more importantly, if you're eating like these really unbalanced meals where it's just a really carb heavy meal, that's throwing off how your liver is working, how your gallbladder is working, whether or not your gallbladder is even stimulating bile to flow. If you're eating just like a carb heavy meal, that's not happening. So it matters for your gut health. Frequent urination and thirst is another sign. So if you find yourself like going to the bathroom, like having to pee like a lot during the day, that's something to look into. That's something to think about. People will often run to the doctor saying that something's wrong with their bladder or that they have frequent UTI, something like they think that they have UTI, something along those lines. It could be just your blood sugar. Um, and then waking up in the middle of the night, a lot of the time it's around like 3 a.m. That's kind of the blood sugar, adrenal, like cortisol time. And I notice this if I eat a, you know, cookies or something like that before bed, that I'll wake up just feeling like, you know, it's the feeling of waking up and just being like wide awake in the morning. And you just feel like gross and like you have dinosaur breath and you're just like, ugh, that's the feeling of your blood sugar dipping and like, Hey, like wake up, like you need to get some sugar back in you. So those are some things that you want to be looking out for. And the problem is that most of these things are things that most people deal with all of the time. So that constantly feeling hungry and wanting to reach for coffee and waking up randomly in the middle of the night, like these are symptoms that most people deal with all the time and we normalize so much. So it's really important to realize that even if this may be common, even if you see everybody else at your office dipping into the candy bin and reaching for coffee at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., like even if you see that a lot, it's not normal and it's not, it's a sign of something going on in your body. So totally do you have any other things. We can't underestimate. Uh, overestimate. I don't know if I'm saying this right. We can't overestimate the impact of our blood sugar on our health. 
people just need to focus on this more. And it's really easy. We're going to give you some tips on how to optimize your blood sugar, how to balance it, how to test for it, how to know if, if this is something that you're dealing with. And with that, I wanted to go into a personal story that I was having high fast or low no, high fasting blood sugar. So I was using a glucometer at home to test my blood sugar for gestational diabetes. And my postprandial blood sugar was really great, which is your blood sugar following two hours following a meal. But my fasting was high. And that's actually pretty consistent for me. My blood sugar has always kind of been wonky in the mornings. And I was having a lot of these symptoms that Michelle was talking about, specifically waking up in the middle of the night and waking up in the middle of the night and being starving. And mm -hmm. I think it's just that being pregnant, it's almost, it's like difficult for me to eat enough calories to keep me full throughout the entire night. And it, I think was just throwing off my blood sugar and spiking it. And that's why I was having these high fasting blood glucose my uh, my midwife told me to eat protein before bed and that she thought that would help stabilize it and it didn't do anything. So I kind of reverted back to my intuition and I'm like, the only thing that sounds good before bed if I'm going to eat a snack before bed is applesauce. So I started eating applesauce. I've tried other fruits, pretty much anything with a little bit of like a complex carbohydrate source before bed. And now my blood sugar is on point every single morning. And any morning that I don't eat that, I um, have high fasting blood sugar again. So it's really, really interesting. Like you can kind of go down a rabbit hole trying to fine tune your diet with enough precision to really like get your blood sugar under control. But I've noticed that my wake ups in the middle of the night have stopped. So I still wake up really hungry, but it doesn't wake me up in the middle of the night being starving. So I think it's, um, just kind of an interesting thing that like the symptoms that you're talking about, they could be for anything, but for me, they really were related to blood sugar. What else happens when it gets to a high? So what yeah, does, what are you not necessarily seeing? Yeah. So this is going to, like Michelle was talking about, tax your pancreas, your liver, and your adrenals. All of these are going to have further health impacts on your body. So want to make sure we get this under control. It'll deplete minerals in the body. It disrupts your pH and acidifies the blood. It damages your blood cells and vascular tissue. And this is a big one for autoimmunity. It increases inflammation. It can raise blood pressure, impairs your detoxification. And this one for me is huge. It causes oxidative stress. It's actually one of the most impactful ways to like cause oxidative stress in your body and free radicals. And I don't know that this is another thing that I feel like is not talked about enough, uh, free radicals and oxidative stress and like what causes that and how to mitigate it. But that is just like the gateway for so many different diseases is free radicals in the body and too many free radicals, not enough antioxidants because Breathing causes free radicals in the body, so you just have to have a good balance there. But um, blood sugar dysregulation definitely causes that. Now, when it gets too low, it also you also have issues that come with that. So I talked earlier that your cells rely on glucose, and this is including your brain cells, and they cannot function without it unless you're giving them an alternative energy source. So when it's too low, you're going to feel fatigued, like your brain can't work well, um, your organs are not going to function as well. It also decreases neurotransmitters. So neurotransmitters are like responsible for the feel-good hormones in your body. And so that can be pretty impactful to your mood as well. Do you want to talk about some of the ways people can find out if they're having an issue with blood sugar? Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to point out in that list that I really wanted to zoom in on depleting minerals in the body. So many people are running around trying to take magnesium, specifically magnesium and calcium and all these things. It's like, why is this low? Why are my minerals low? Why are my minerals low? So it takes, so our body should not, our body is not designed to process a ton of refined sugar like we have. And even high quality sugar, 
like I, you know, I'll make recipes all the time with like half a cup of maple, maple syrup in there. Do you know how hard that is to get like, no, like a fourth a cup I usually do, but like getting a fourth a cup of maple syrup or like a fourth a cup of honey, like in nature, like that is hard work. Like, and we just have it at our, our disposal where I'm just like, oh, there you go. Like, let me just pour this stuff everywhere. Um, like we're just not made to do that. So it takes a lot of work for our body to process that. And it takes, it's, I forget the exact ratio, but it, a lo- it takes a lot of like magnesium and like minerals like in the body to actually process like just like one teaspoon of sugar. So we sit here like, why am I so low in magnesium? I'm just going to keep rubbing on this cream and taking this natural calm and taking this. And we keep trying to add in and add in and add in. And we don't think about like, okay, well, what am I doing to deplete myself of this? And when I got my hair mineral analysis, that was you know, it said that in there that I was depleted. The first time I was depleted in pretty much every mineral, I was low almost everywhere. And, you know, it said, you know, you're exhibiting this pattern because you have too much sugar floating around in your body. Like your body is working way too hard to process all this sugar. And even if you're eating a nutrient dense diet and you're taking natural common, whatever, it's not enough to catch up to how much is being you know, expelled because of the sugar. But yeah, so I wanted to zoom in on that one. And then inflammation for sure. Like if I cut out sugar, like if I eat less sugar for even like a few days, like my whole body is just like, like, I feel like I just lose. (laughs) Like there's just like an extra bit of inflammation that I carry around when I eat too much sugar that I just don't even notice. It's like almost within days, I'll notice like an inch like off of my waist. And we're not here talking about weight loss and whatever, but it's concerning if you have a bunch of inflammation packing on your body because it's a sign of some stuff going on on the inside, which is what we're actually talking about. So how do you tell if you're having an issue with blood sugar? The one that I really wanted to talk about first um, is getting a glucose monitor. So this is something that we talked about in the NTA that I thought was really powerful. And I hear a lot of other NTPs do it on themselves and I haven't been able to do it because I hate blood so much. Um, I really need to, but testing your own blood sugar, you do not need to have diabetes to get a glucose monitor. There is no prescription on just buying one of these things. It's really not that expensive to just do it start up. It's expensive to get the strips, but it's, you know, dependent on how much you do it, but getting a handle on what your blood sugar is even doing throughout the day, like doing that for a day and seeing like, okay, going, just going on Google, figuring out like, okay, this is who I am. Where should my numbers be at? Are they anywhere near that? Are they way off? Are they way high? Are they way low? That's a great place to start. Another one that I think is um, telling, like I said, your minerals. So if your minerals are really depleted and you know that you're eating a good nutrient dense diet, again, that could also be your gut. You could also just not be absorbing, but you also need to be thinking like, okay, am I eating too much sugar? And then if you have like impaired detoxification, if you know you're not detoxing, if you know that you have elevated liver enzymes, think twice about why that's actually happening. So do you want to talk about the other two? You made better notes than me. Yes. So the other two are lab tests that you would get through your doctor. Your doctor's doctor is going to be testing for this first one with every um, preventative care appointment that you have. So if you go in for your annual labs to a regular conventional primary care doctor, they're going to be testing for this. So it is hemoglobin A1C, and that is kind of the gold standard for testing blood sugar because it gives you your average blood sugar across several months time. And it's not in the same format, but as like testing your blood sugar like on a day-to-day basis or on a meal-to-meal basis. It's just generalizing over the course of time, what does your blood sugar look like? Is it generally too high? Is it generally too low? That's where hemoglobin A1C is going to come in to play. And so that's a really good one. Now, 
I did want to point out that if your diet is really high in saturated fats, because I know that's pretty common in the like real food sphere that we're in right now is everybody pushing like these highly saturated fats on people. Now, if you're eating too many of them, it can cause a high hemoglobin A1C reading, even if you have a healthy blood sugar response. So it's sort of like a false positive for high, high blood sugar. Um, so that's just like a little bit of a precaution. There is another one that can be tested. I'm not really familiar with it and it's not very common. It's called fructosamine. So that can also be tested. Um, but we're not going to go into that because I don't know that Michelle is familiar with it either. So we'll just leave that one out. But yeah, hemoglobin A1C that not to be confused with testing like your hemoglobin levels, which would be an indicator of iron to like anemia. Um, hemoglobin A1C is kind of its own thing. And if it's high, your doctor can even diagnose you with like as being pre-diabetic and put you on like a low carb diet or something to try to mitigate that. So it is something that they test for and, and really look at. Um, I wanted to talk about the distinction between sugar and carbs because it is something that Another thing that I tend to see a lot, especially in, in AIP, is we try to reduce sugars, but then we don't really pay much attention to carbs. Plantain and in regards, yeah. what was that? Plantain chips. And yes. Yeah. Totally. And think about it. Yeah. So in regards to your blood sugar, all carb sources will eventually break down into glucose and elevate your blood sugar to some degree. But that doesn't mean that all carbs are bad. So to kind of define between the different ones that we're looking at here. So sugars are a simple carbohydrate. And any simple carbohydrate is going to break down very quickly. And that's why it has like a greater impact on your blood sugar because it's being absorbed into your, into your blood at a quicker rate than a complex carbohydrate. But the thing is, there are other simple carbohydrates that you may be eating that you don't even realize and be eating in excess that are causing that a similar response. Complex carbohydrates are going to break down slower and have less of an impact on your blood sugar because they have fiber and starches. Obviously a fruit is going to be better than like a whole fruit is going to be better than a fruit juice because it has the fiber within it to help slow its absorption into your bloodstream. Whereas the fruit juice is just the sugar and the nutrients from the fruit without any of the fiber. So if you have the opportunity to choose either a juice or a smoothie, you could go with the smoothie to make a better choice for your blood sugar, just based on the fact that it has the fiber within it. What I wanted to leave off here was that you don't need to worry so much about reducing your overall intake, but really just balancing things. So focusing on the appropriate ratio of macronutrients. You can do this by like if you're eating a higher carbohydrate meal or more simple carbohydrates, try to balance it out with something that has a little bit more fiber and starch and fat because all of those things are going to help slow that absorption into your bloodstream. So it's almost like, I don't really know because I haven't done like a side-by-side -side test, but it's almost like when you look at it that way, a cookie may have less of an effect on your blood sugar than a, a fruit juice because the cookie has fiber from whatever flowers are, it's made with, and it likely has some type of saturated fat in there to help bind it together. So the sugar from the cookie may have less of an impact on you than a juice would, which is pretty interesting when you think about it. Mm. All right, let's get into some actionable tips for y'all. So how do we effectively manage our blood glucose? Um, let me see here. So first let's talk about what triggers a blood glucose response aside from carbohydrate, because that's what we've been talking about up until now. Um, foods high in protein. Actually, if you're eating too much protein, that's, that can trigger a blood sugar response. Get the meat sweats. What? Oh, the meat sweat. I hate, for some reason, that term like makes isn't me isn't it gross? I, I know. Like when people that. say that, it makes me like think of like a like hot 
barbecue place and we're like i know so i apologize for everyone uh caffeine has a huge impact on blood sugar really randomly uh well other people might think it's random but it's very true and then cortisol so cortisol is going to impact your blood glucose through uh like stress food intolerances, inflammation, having parasites, all of that can trigger a cortisol response, which can increase your blood glucose. Um, poor sleep. Yes. Yeah, that can go back to stress, but that's going to also negatively imp- impact your insulin sensitivity. And insulin sensitivity, I don't think we've mentioned yet that phrase, but that means that your cells are, if you're insulin sensitive, it means your cells are better able to utilize the glucose in your bloodstream. And then there's insulin resistance where it would be the opposite of that. So if you're negatively affecting your insulin sensitivity, um, that's not going to be a good thing. It also, poor sleep also decreases your growth hormone and increases cortisol. So it goes back to that cortisol Uh, cycle that we're looking at there. It's almost like, I feel like it would be really helpful to have like a diagram, like insulin or blood glucose in the center. And then all these things that like point to one another, because there are just so many different factors here. Um, And then another thing that can trigger it aside from carbohydrate is just excessively large meals. So if you're overeating in general, it doesn't have to be a large carb rich meal. It could just be anything. Anything you want to add there? Um, yeah, I think you covered all the things that I would say. Lack okay. of sleep for sure. And then what foods and nutrients can improve the blood sugar response? We talked about this already, but eating high fiber foods and the average recommendation that I've seen is around, I think 25 grams of fiber a day. Is it grams? I think it would be grams. Um, I, that's like metric on- tons. Yeah, that's a lot. So slowly increase your fiber intake over time. Look at what you're eating now and maybe add a serving every single week or something until you feel like your digestion is great. um, Your blood sugar feels really stable. You don't feel jittery or sleepy or, um, or anything. And then eating fats with your meals. That's another thing that I suggest for just slowing the absorption of your sugars and carbohydrates into the bloodstream. One thing that I really like adding to coffee all all year round, not just a seasonal thing, is cinnamon. This Mm -hmm. decreases insulin resistance, which again is the bad one, and it slows down the breakdown of carbohydrates. So adding cinnamon to anything is great, but I love adding it to my coffee because then if I'm drinking caffeinated coffee, it kind of helps balance out that blood sugar spike from the caffeine. There's also chromium is a nutrient and that is involved in carbohydrate and fat metabolism. So that's another nutrient that you can focus on. Um, That's pretty much it that I have for that. And then other tips to just help stabilize your blood sugar would be exercising regularly, and that can increase insulin sensitivity, and weightlifting specifically. Weightlifting specifically is good for that. So... And then hydration is going to help your kidneys flush out extra blood glucose, and then... Yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) I feel like we talked a lot about what blood sugar was, and then we like rushed through how to optimize it. (laughs) We've been talking for a really long time. Yeah. So I think, so here's the thing with optimizing your blood sugar is that it changes a lot, you know, depending on, like there is no one constant, I think, especially with women. And, you know, it's like we put together like a meal plan and be like, okay, well, like this is what I should be eating to balance my blood sugar. And this is, this works for me. It may not work for you when you are, like, if you do that during like different phases of your cycle, it will vary. Different phases of your life, it will vary. So you need to be knowing these signs. Like if you see yourself dipping into these um, poor symptoms 
if you see yourself kind of like having these problems, you need to be thinking about like, okay, what do I need to be doing to shift things around? Do I need to be, you know, the number one thing with people is really just like what I will work on when I work one-on-one with people is just balancing your meals to, um, again, you know, not be, not just be like a way too much at once not overdo it, but not be just like super carb heavy. And that's, and that's, I think I've already said this in this episode that that's one of the biggest, um, issues with people when they just switch to a healing diet. It's like, I'm on a paleo diet. I'm an AIP diet, but is it balanced? And a food list will never tell you whether, how to balance your meals. And that's why I always like shy away from just like sending people like being like, oh, just like eat these five recipes all the time and you're good. It's like, yes, lean on those recipes for sure. But then you have to balance out a meal and that's going to be different for from person to person. But um, balancing your meals with fat, with protein, with maybe some sort of starchy carbohydrate and, um, you know, a green leafy leafy green or a cruciferous vegetable or something like that, but just not having, you know, I try to not put out recipes that are just like crazy carb heavy. I'm sure that some of my recipes may be too much for some people, but it's different. So you need to constantly be thinking like, okay, do I need to be like, am I lifting weights right now? Like, am I going, do I need to be eating more carbs? Am I going through a stressful time right now? Or I'm, I'm not sleeping very well right now. Do I need to be pulling back more? You know, what's my body telling me that I want more of just to kind of in general. So I think when it comes to balancing, there's no good, like one size fits all recommendation. And that's why I'm happy that we talked so much about like what this looks like and what it is, because balancing it is so much of your own. I know this is a little bit of a gray area and some people don't agree with it, but I'm a big fan of identifying what your metabolic type is, is what I've heard it called and the way I reference it. Oh yeah, I agree. Okay. So that's just how your body processes the different types of macronutrients. So do you, do you do better with carbohydrate, like higher carbohydrates, higher fat, higher protein, which of those macros should you focus your meals on? And it's something that I have. What kind of oxidizer are you? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's something that I have on my, in my Ditcher Nutritionist program as a quiz to learn what that is. And then from there, you can learn how to balance your plate better so that one, it helps balance your blood sugar, but two, it also helps you to feel more satiated because I know I was, when I was vegetarian, I was focusing more on eating carbohydrates because that's pretty much like my protein sources were coming from beans, for example, which are higher in carbohydrates than they are in protein. And so most of my meals were really high in, in carbs and I was always hungry all the time. And when I started adding in I started with seafood, but when I started adding in animal proteins, I was so much more satiated just on a smaller amount. And it wasn't that I went like low carb. I just helped balance out the ratio of protein and carb. So I definitely agree with you there. And it all just goes back to like, if you can really listen to learn to listen to your body and learn to really identify with what your body is asking for, it can be so helpful with identifying these things. Like you were talking about, like this can change over time. It can change with your cycle. And if you're, if you're really intuitive, which doesn't come overnight, but if you're really intuitive with what you're doing, then uh, you'll be able to identify those distinctions. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, we wanted to close this out since Christmas is next week. We wanted to close this out with talking about um, background music. Yeah, some uh, holiday traditions that Michelle and I have. We're on a budget. We can't get more music. All right. Oh, bummer. <laughs> um, so tell me about your favorite holiday traditions rather than doing the meal of the week this year, this yeah, week. This Okay. Tell me about some of your favorite holiday traditions and what you're going to be doing. Well, this year is a very different year for 
our family because we will be by ourselves in Austin, not by ourselves. I think we actually have some friends who are staying for Christmas. So we're going to be going to a church service with them that, um, that they really love. And it'll just be away from my family. Typically we spend Christmas with my family in Kansas. And so I think some of the traditions that I will try to bring to Austin for this year's Christmas will be my, my mom always gets me slippers for Christmas, a new pair of slippers. And I'm going to tell James not to listen to this episode, but that's going to be his stocking stuffer this year. He's never had slippers. I just feel like he will like them. I feel like that's a cozy thing. So I'm going to find some like masculine looking nice cozy slippers for him. And so that'll be something that since my mom won't be gifting that to me, uh, maybe she will, maybe she'll send me some, um, then I'm going to do that for him. And then my mom always makes a egg casserole for us for breakfast. And it used to be full of gluten, but like I've mentioned before, my mom is super supportive. And so since I've been gluten-free, she transitioned the crust into a potato crust. So she just puts potatoes down and then puts all of the egg frittata stuff on top. And it is like just my favorite. I don't, it just feels so holiday to me. Um, so I think that'll be, that'll be what our Christmas looks like. What about you? Um, So we alternate between, uh, parents for like the bulk of the Christmas. So for one family, we'll do Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. And the other one will get Christmas day because our parents live within like 30 minutes of each other or so. So it's not that bad. It was like eh, 45, (laughs) but, um, uh, so this year it's with Daniel's family and usually with my family, um, we'll go to church at the church that I used to, that used to be my old home church when I lived at home. Um, and it's a big, beautiful church and they have just like, you know, they do the candle lighting and that's really great. But since Daniel and I moved into our new house, we have our own home church here that we're probably gonna, we haven't done Christmas there yet. So since Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, we, I will have to see what, what things time out. So we'll, we'll have to do that probably at our new home church, try to start a new tradition, Um, and then, so I am, uh, I definitely still like make cookies for Santa on Christmas Eve and something that my in-laws do, they're very tradition heavy. So they, on Christmas Eve, will go to a dollar store and they like, we'll do like a exchange of like, okay, your person is this like between the family and we'll go to a dollar store and we'll each get like a $10 bill or something. And we'll get like a grab bag of gifts for that person. So it'll just be like really silly, funny gifts. And that's fun. Um, so we'll do that. And then Christmas morning, they, my in-laws, they're super creative and fun. They also do a, like they plan like a scavenger hunt like a Christmas scavenger hunt. They do that. It's really fun. And, um, and then with my parents, uh, we usually have something sugar laden for breakfast. (laughs) Um, and with my dad, I always have to watch the, um, the, uh, like the Christmas Charlie Brown. I love that one. I love, um, uh, it's a wonderful life it's a Christmas story. I love that one, obviously. And then with it's a wonderful life. It's, it's so long and so much of it is so depressing. So my dad and I watch the feel good version, which means we just watch like the very, very beginning. And then we fast forward to the end where it's like, George, you're the richest man in town. And we're like, Merry Christmas. Like I have to watch the feel good version. My, my heart can't handle the whole like everybody's crying and everybody wants to kill themselves. I can't do it. I've so. never seen it. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, it's, I don't want to watch it now. <laughs> I mean, but it's, you'll cry every time. It's so, I mean, you know, the beginning, the middle of it, it's just like, you know, it's just sad. It's like a lot of bad stuff goes on, but in the end, it's just all reconciled. The time is a million. So, but it's just so good. You know, the end oh, maybe we'll try it has it. me in tears every single time. And it's just so like, and it's great. So we have to watch that. And 
Yeah. So those are our favorite. On Christmas or like leading up to it? Um, yeah, we watch it either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, depending on, like, I do like the whole movie binge with my parents because they're like those kind of people. Like, they binge on movies, whereas my in laws are the ones that like want to put together, like, they'll write songs and write family members into the names. And oh, you know, that's so cute. Yeah, they're really creative and fun. And my parents are like, let's just eat cheetos and watch it's a wonderful life i'm like okay so the best of both worlds but yeah those those are the things i'm gonna be doing and i love i love this time of year i love christmas i love giving i love giving gifts like it's one of my favorite things to like come up with a really creative gift for somebody i love um you know doing like a angel tree kind of gift like giving back to somebody in the community that i don't know like finding a gift. Like I just love doing that. So, and I love tradition. So I love this time of year and I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday, no matter what you're celebrating, what you're doing, who you're celebrating it with, that you're just happy and well-fed and it's a great week for you guys. Don't worry so much about blood sugar right now. (laughs) Keep us in mind for later. Yeah. All right. Well, have a happy holiday, you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me, Anne, at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.